Let all creation stand and sing, hallelujah. Fill the earth with songs of worship. Tell the wonders of creation's king. Do you realize that our call to global missions is a call to take worship to the ends of the earth? That's the purpose, is to take an understanding, a knowledge of the true and living God to the ends of the earth, to the end which he will be worshipped all over his creation. That's our call. Let me ask you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Passage about worship in God's providence. Not because I could plan so well. But here at the end of our week of worship and arts camp and as we send off uh, these teams to other parts of the world and one team specifically with a worship and arts camp. It's appropriate for us to uh, see this passage before us, which is indeed right smack in the middle of Ecclesiastes, but it's about worship, almost out of character for the book itself. Billy's mother stood at the door of his room, said, Billy, it's time to get up for Sunday school and church and get ready. He pulled the covers back over his head. Does this sound familiar to any, any of you mothers? Thinking that maybe his mother would go away and leave him alone. She came back in, of course. Time to get ready for church. I don't want to go to church today. Why don't you want to go to church today? Well, I don't like going to that church because it's boring and I don't really like the people all that much and I don't think they like me very much either. In fact, Mom, give me three reasons why I should go to church. Well, the first reason is because you're a Christian. That's what we do on the Lord's Day. We go and we worship him. We are called to do that, and we do that out of gratitude. Second and third reason, because you're 45 and you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> now, folks, that's a bad attitude about worship. We're going to see right attitudes in a moment. But before I read the passage, I want to talk specifically to those of you who have not yet committed your life to Christ. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or identify yourself in any way. You know who you are. And I want you to know something about this passage and message today. First of all, I'm delighted that you're here today if you find yourself not in a relationship with Christ. I'm glad you're here, and I hope that you will keep on coming 
to St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. But what you need to know is that this passage is specifically to people who do already know God. And to those who worship on a regular basis, but somehow have gotten out of whack in terms of the way they worship. People who somehow are uh, have a wrong attitude or a wrong focus or have lost that focus, that's what this passage is speaking to. But here's where, if you don't know Christ yet, it applies to you. And that is, I think it will give you a glimpse of the God that we are here to worship. It will tell you some about the kind of God he is, but not only that, about how much he cares for his people. To tell them what he does here, to reveal more of himself, and to call them to be in relation with him. We are in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, we do ask you in these moments to teach us, to call us closer to yourself. For those that don't know you, to to open eyes and hearts so that they can see what an attractive thing it is to follow the God of this universe that has seen fit to desire relationship with a part of his creation. Lord, will you do that? Will you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's really no way to uh, 
read this text without seeing immediately what God's view of worship is, and that is that, that worship must be taken seriously. Not, not just in a, a serious way, because there ought to be joy in worship, but it should be considered seriously. Verse 1, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. You are going to the house of God, is what he says. In that day, it was the temple. He's saying, guard your steps. Be careful, maybe even watch out what you're doing when you go there. It is that serious. Enter with care. Now, there's a a right way and a wrong way to enter into worship. The, The right way to approach God and worship, to come to Him, according to this, is with your ears open and less so with your mouth open. Listening. Now, in what way? Well, there's an assumption with that. The assumption is that when you go to worship, there is something to listen to. And what we come and we listen to is the very word of God. And so, it says, come with your ears open to that. What's said from this pulpit only has authority insofar as it is consistent with the word of God. It's only true insofar as it reflects what the word of God says, and that's what you should hold me or anyone else who's ever in this pulpit to. That's the standard. It is the Word of God. So the question, am I ready to listen to the Word of God when I come? The other aspect of a wrong way of approaching is just going through the motions. Sacrifice was required in that day. Now, that was before Christ. And so when he talks about sacrifice, the the emphasis was that you, you do it the way he says to do it. It's to be uh, the way he prescribes it. And yet there were people who uh, had this, this which they were to do, sacrifice, and they were doing it in a wrong way. By the way, that was before Christ came and gave the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. That's why in our worship we don't ever sacrifice animals. That's why in our worship we have an empty cross behind me, not with Christ or an image of Christ hanging on the cross. Because what he did when he came was a once 
for all sacrifice that fulfilled any further need for sacrifice. But the illustration was that in that day, there were those who would bring animals that they were to bring, but they would maybe bring a a deformed animal because what good was it to them? Or bring the leftovers. And that indicated to God how they saw worship and how they looked at their God. If they would bring the deformed animal or one that was not worthy even of their use, it showed their view of God. Likewise with us, when we bring ourselves, it shows our view of God. Now, how serious of a thing was this? Well, we have a couple of places in in the Scripture that, that really indicate to us how seriously God saw this. For instance, in the Old Testament, we have Nadab and Abihu who offered unholy fire to God. In the New Testament, we have Ananias and Sapphira who lied about how much they put in the offering, basically. And in each case, they were struck dead. Now, not everybody that ever did wrong things in worship was struck dead. Both of these were at the beginning of uh, forms of worship being instituted. You have the Old Testament aspect where the tabernacle, it was at the front end of worship in the tabernacle, and then the New Testament at the the beginning of New Testament form of worship. And so at both of those places, God showed once and for all how serious it is to lay an example before all who would see that and those that didn't see would hear about it, that we must not pervert worship because the God we go to worship takes it seriously. Now, why is it such a big deal? Well, verse 2, it says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. Here's the reason. It's so serious. For God is in heaven, and you're on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. God is in heaven. Now, this isn't speaking so much about some great distance between us and God, but it's speaking in terms of his greatness, his perfection, his holiness, that he is the king of heaven who deserves praise. Because of that, it must be taken seriously. Worship as well should be driven by the other part of that, who he is, but it should also be restrained by who we are. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. We got to remember who we are. And that starts with remembering who God is. We see his holiness anytime we come in to worship. 
We uh, should be lifted up to recognize his, his holiness. Should not see him as, uh, you know, our little buddy, as our butler or our maid, somebody that's at our beck and call. But this is a holy God that we have no right to stand before except through Jesus Christ. And it reminds us who we are because we see his perfection and we see that as the standard and then we see our own imperfection. God is not our peer. Now, when it comes to worship, that should be reflected in our worship. We have in uh, our theology... That, that comes out of the, the Reformation. We believe it's rooted in, in the Scripture. And then in the Reformation, it was developed what we call the regulative principle of worship. Now, what that means is very simply that we, we are convinced that the only things that we should put into worship are things that God says brings Him glory and pleasure. And so we shouldn't be making up all kinds of things and say that's worship of God. We should instead have our ears wide open, not presume on him, but to hear what he says brings him glory and then to include that in the context of our worship. And so here at St. Andrews, when we do things in worship, that is our standard. We ask ourselves, does this fit with the regulative principle? And not just because there's a thing called a regulative principle, but because it is the scripture where we derive what he has prescribed for worship. That's also a remembrance that he is in heaven and we are on earth. And therefore, he's the one that needs to tell us how to worship. Now he goes on in verse 3. And he gives us kind of a warning. The preoccupation with things under the sun are, is going to distract us from the God who is. For a dream, verse 3, comes with much business. I think you could almost say busyness. And a fool's voice with many words. Here it talks about dream. It's, it's the idea of a daydream. Have you ever caught yourself in worship in a daydream? Excuse me, I, I said, have you ever caught yourself in worship? <laughs> Isn't that the way it is? You know, all of a sudden you go, whoa, you know, and something catches your attention. Now, the only reason I can describe that you know why. Because it happens to me as well. It's hard. It's difficult to focus. And yet, it is essential. Have you ever been talking with somebody? You know this kind of a person where uh, you're, you're talking with them and, you, you know, you're a decent space from them, but it's obviously the two of you are talking to one another. But all the while you're talking to them, they're looking over your shoulder and looking at other people. At the, you know the kind of person that I, I'm talking about. You could probably put a name on it right now because we all have known 
people like that. Well, that, that's in a sense, that's what it's like. It would be in, uh, in, in worship, it would be like you're relating to God, you're hearing from Him, talking with Him, praising Him, and then when you start daydreaming, it's like getting up and turning your back and walking away. Or kind of like looking over the shoulder at something more interesting at that moment. Now that's the challenge, and I, I, I know it's hard. But there is absolutely a, a, a rudeness there. It's wrong. And serious. Uh, it's serious because of who we're worshiping number of things can distract you. Thinking about the ball game yesterday or the one later today. Thinking my pot roast is burning. Solomon would say, let it burn. What you're doing here is the most important thing you can be doing because in worship, you're relating to the God of the universe. There's nothing going on in your life that is more important than worship. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. That word there, be still, is cease, stop striving for this time. What about the preoccupation? Well, it's, it's always going to be preoccupation with things under the sun. As we've gone through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, we've made the distinction of living under the sun. In other words, living on this earth. And that's what he deals with throughout uh, this book. And those are the things that would preoccupy us, that would tear us away from God. Now, I'm not saying that in some way we can absolutely suppress that. But here's what we need to know. That whatever is going on in your life, whether it is a, a, a wonderfully joyful time, whether it's a nervous time, whether it's an incredibly painful time, that worship puts those things into their right perspective. Because here's what we're reminded of in worship. That whatever is going on in my life, if I'm trusting in Christ alone for my eternal life, then I've got peace with God. And though there are difficulties in living under the sun, and yes, we will have to face them, we've got to be reminded that ultimately I'm at peace with the Creator of the universe. Now the teacher moves on to what seems like a new subject, but it, it, it's rightly in the context of worship. Here he begins to talk about vows uh, and, and how serious that is. I, I put in your outline, a vow to God is as serious of a commitment as one can make under the sun. Verse 4, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you, you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. And 
so on. He goes on and on with this. Now, why is that the case? What kind of vows do we deal with? Well, in, in the context of our church, you would have vows of baptism, marriage, membership vows. That third one, that's why we take it, it seriously about members coming to church. When you joined St. Andrews, you took a vow. Now, this vow wasn't just in front of some other imperfect people. That was part of it, who witnessed it. But the vow was before God. And you said that you would promise to support the church in its worship and work. It's a serious commitment. It's something that evidently, according to God's word, that he takes seriously. During my ministry, I have had periodically people down through the years, people who were sometimes a part of the church, sometimes not, but they would, they would come into my office and they'd say, we want to get our baby baptized. And uh, some of them, uh, those people were people that, you know, either I'd never seen or they, they didn't attend church. Here is... By the way, you might as well know it. I mean, so if, if, uh, if this ever happens with you. Here, here's how I would typically handle that. They weren't attending church. They said, we want to get our baby baptized. I would say, you know what? I, I really want to baptize your baby. But here's what we need to know about that. There are some vows that you will take when it comes to baptizing your child about setting an example of piety before that child and so on, and, and about making sure that they're here in church. Those aren't the exact words, but I usually show it to them and so on. And I know that you don't want to be a hypocrite. Now, at least so far, I've never had someone say, oh, I got no problem with being a hypocrite. Let's, let's just let's get the baby baptized, you know. So far, nobody said that. And it won't work, by the way, if you decide to try that. I say, I know you don't want to be a hypocrite, and I also know that you don't want to make me or our church hypocritical. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to begin, even before taking that vow, begin fulfilling what it says in there. And if they're members of the church, I'll say, begin by fulfilling that vow, and then we'll talk about this other one. Now, look, that's not because I'm so good or any church is so good. It's because we really genuinely believe God's word here, and that is that he takes vows seriously. And it would be absolutely hypocritical. Uh, you know, those who are outside of the church love to say the, the church is hypocritical. Well, it would be if... We took vows lightly after what he says about this. Now, some of you, I know, because uh, when it said, uh, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying for it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. 
I know that some of you thought, okay, well, here comes the big pitch for us, you know, for faith mission giving, <laughs> you know, or for our building fund. He's going to lay it on us. Uh, we better write our check, you know, and catch up on things. Not at all. You know what? We, we take vows so seriously. We, we, have, we said, and we say it each time, but when we took commitments for the building, for instance, we said these are not vows before God. We know things can change in your life. These are, uh, we hope you will fulfill this commitment, but we know that some things can change. We take vows far too seriously than to try to artificially bind people with them. So he gives us this in the context of worship. Now, each week as we've gone through this book, we, we've said, okay, what's the above the sun perspective? We've seen the under the sun perspective, which often gets back to this life. There's vanity in this life and that kind of thing. And so we've said, okay, let's, let's go kind of above the sun and get God's perspective on this. And this one reveals more than some of the other parts of Ecclesiastes do. Do you get what Solomon is emphasizing from several perspectives? He's emphasizing, don't settle for the routine. When it comes to worship, focus on what you are doing and take it seriously because you are before the face of God. And further, we hear from the Lord Jesus that we are to approach it with, with full reverence. As he met with this this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman in John 4, she was on the spot. She thought she would distract him from her own sin and, and the kind of life she had been living. And so she said, I will throw this out there, this question about worship. And what did Jesus do? He didn't say, hey, let's get back. That's just a smokescreen. Let's get back to this other thing. No, he began to teach about worship. Because as I said earlier, worship puts our lives and other things in their right perspective. And so she said, you know, you, you're a learned man. You're a rabbi. You know, where, do, where are we supposed to worship? Jesus said this, the hour is coming. is now here. And true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeking such people to worship him, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Right worship will have a right impact upon your life. Wrong, empty worship, likewise, will have a wrong and empty impact upon your life. All of this that, that Jesus prescribed, that God gave to us in his word, is, is possible that we are now to worship him in spirit and truth. It's possible only because while God is still in heaven and we are still here, 
something changed. What changed was God took on human form and came here in the incarnation. He made a bridge that, that can't and won't ever be broken. And he said, there is a way to the Father, and that way is through me. And so Solomon and we are called to that way. Without Christ, we can have no relationship with God in Christ. Trusting in him alone, we become a child of the living God and can worship him in spirit and in truth. And that means everything. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us even, even as we approach worship next week to pray about it beforehand throughout the week, to reflect on what we've talked about this week, but to enter into worship with all due seriousness and joy seriousness out of a reverence for the, the holy God, for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his precious spirit. Joy because there is a way to you, and that is through Jesus Christ. Will you give us that recognition and enhance our worship? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.